You're listening to Finn Too Deep. To a back to throw, blitz coming, they get to him, oh, he takes off running, and he's in, touchdown Miami! With the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jalen Waddle. Giving you unfiltered, informed, and controversial takes on the Miami Dolphins and the NFL Draft. Here's Reason and Neil. Welcome back, everyone, as we dive fin too deep. As always, we're your hosts. I'm Reason. That's Neil Driscoll. Uh, Neil, we are in the midst of, you know, there's so much news out there. There's conflicting reports. We hear things. You know, other people are out there reporting different things. It's just we're in such a state of flux right now as the Miami Dolphins continue their head coaching search. You know, a lot of teams like the Giants, for example, are getting to their second interview stage we're not even there yet um you know how you feeling as a dolphin fan and uh how's everything going in general because it's been about two weeks since people heard from us yeah you know i think what we've seen is that the dolphins are playing this a little slower um they're doing their due diligence i think they have a really defined list and kind of power ranking of how it stands right now um and and i think that there could be a kind of uh uh, some an ace up the sleeve down the road here, um, you know, and I'll explain that. But you know, since the beginning, you and I've both heard consistently that Brian Dayball is one of the guys leading, and you know, I think we've also both heard that like one of the fallback options if things don't go their way is Vance Joseph. So you know, I'll be honest. For me, yeah, we've, we've we've we both have talked about it. We've both heard the same rankings in terms of Dayball one. Quinn to McDaniel three, and then Vance Joseph falls someone in there at four or five. If you want to include Thomas Brown. Right. And, and that's where like, for me, it's like, you can't hire Vance Joseph. I, you know, there's nothing, nothing personal against the guy, but that just is such a lackluster move. This is, this is a changing of the guard, right? A downgrade, like, right? Yeah. You need to change, you know, the guard and, and you know, like, look, like, you know, I'll, I'll eat some crow. I was very critical of the Brian Dayball potential hiring, but with recent news of the the staff that he could build with Ken Dorsey and Wink Martindale, like I've come around because I I, I think Wink Martindale is the best defensive mind in the NFL. Brian Flores and anyone else included. Like I have such high praise for that guy being here in Baltimore, seeing what he's done, taking fifth round picks like Zadarius Smith and Matt Judon and elevating them to all pro players. You know, he he's not afraid to blitz. Um, he's strategic with it. He create pressure from all angles. I, I just love the totality of what that coach's staff would look like. Um, and, you know, what I've heard pretty uh, contrary to some of the things I, I know a lot of people have put stuff out there that like Brian Dable's worried about t- to, to a ceiling. I've heard the complete opposite. Exactly. That's, that's the reason that Brian Dable would want to one of the intriguing in. reasons for, I've heard for Dable wanting this job is to reunite with Tua. Yeah. And he believes in Tua. And, you know, like at the end of the day, we know the Giants are pushing for him. And at the end of the day, like he's a smart guy and he's going to make sure that he picks a situation that works for him. You know, I don't think there's anyone questioning who he values at the quarterback position between Tua and Daniel Jones. Oh, and, 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 
Yeah. And, and look, look, you know, like we have the senior bowl coming around the corner. Like I do think there's a lot of interest in Daniel Quinn if Dayball does not come through. And, and I think Dan Quinn is well-respected around the league. And then there's always that enigma that is Mike McDaniel. So I, I'm, you know, I'm really hopeful. But, you know, we were talking about this before the um, before we hopped on here. And the hot name that we all thought immediately when Brian Flores got fired is what's going on in Michigan with Jim Harbaugh, right? And we heard Stephen Ross come out and say, I'm not going to be the one that poaches him for Michigan. Well, look, good good businessmen are good liars. And, you know, I don't have any sources or anything telling me anything. But Mike McDonald, their defensive coordinator, is going to leave Michigan to go to the Baltimore Ravens. It's interesting because Jim Harbaugh's brother, John, coaches at, obviously, at the Ravens, right? So for him to leave Michigan to go there, that seems like something that was probably endorsed by Jim Harbaugh, right? Yeah. And then we we know that signing day is approaching. And if the Dolphins don't have anyone hired by February 2nd, right, and it seems like by all accounts that Harbaugh is really hell-bent on getting out of Michigan, what what better way to cause some freaking noise this offseason than on February 3rd we see something like, Jim Harbaugh is going to meet with the Dolphins, like right, like, and and I think that's a pipe dream. You know, I think I'm getting hopeful, and again, yeah. I'm trying to read between the lines there. Um, but you know, I, I think that the actual, you know, without seeing a bunch of second interviews, I think it's actually pretty easy to see how the coaching ser- search is shaping up for Miami. And I, they're I mean, waiting. I'm telling you right now, Neil, they're waiting on something. And the reason why I say this is they're slow to get to the second pro second stage of interviews while other teams are expediting it because they're fearful of losing, you know, because the GM domino is starting to fall. Now they're fearful of, you know, the Dable or, or the Quinn, you know, domino falling. And I said this on my YouTube channel, inside the NFL, especially if Denver Hiles, Nathaniel Hackett and, you know, the giants go another way, which I mean, we've been hearing since it all started that Flores in New York, there was mutual interest there. Yeah. I heard that's why they fired Joe judge. Yeah, Joe judge. Yeah. So if, if, if those guys go and, and Dave all who's currently sitting on the market and Quinn are currently sitting on the market. I mean, you have both heard those are their top two candidates on the current market right now, because technically Harbaugh is not on the market. If we exactly. want to get technical, right? Exactly. You know, they're sitting it, it, They've, they're either waiting for a Mike McDaniel and the outcome of the 49ers and Rams game to get him in for an, another interview or something, or they're sitting around and they're waiting. They're not, they're not pulling the trigger until the Harbaugh domino falls. Right. Well, look, think about this. Just think about the story changes from week to week. I mean, we have nine teams without a head coach right now. And Sean Payton just stepped down from the Saints. Yeah, but that's like one of the most least attractive jobs. And what I've been telling people for since this whole process started is, listen, I mean, this is what I don't know if you've been told different. What I've been told since this whole started was they're only going to announce candidates they got to request interviews for. If they don't have to request an interview for for you, say like a Jim Caldwell, they're not going to announce the interview. Right. I've heard they're very they're very tight to the chest on this. Well, I know a lot of people get upset about it. Like they they, they have to tell us, but like if you want any competitive advantage in a competitive landscape, the less information that's public, the better for your position, right? So, I, and you I, know why I'm not buying the Vance Joseph thing, Neil? Chris, because Chris Greer likes it, but the owner doesn't. No, 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 not even just that. You're telling me Chris Greer, right? GMs rarely ever get a second chance get a coach. to choose their guy again right. at head coach. 
you're telling me he's going to hinge it on a guy who has an 11 and 21 NFL record. And even though he's been a head coach for two years, you don't know if he could put a staff together because his two OCs, Musgrave is coaching at Cal and McCoy isn't even in the league anymore. And he averaged 18.1 points one season, like 20 points the other season. You think he's going to hinge on that? Dude, if if we come on here next week and Vance Joseph is head coach, I'm going to bring a psychiatrist on air to help us because I think you and I both will need to be talked off the ledge. I mean, like that that would be just such. But that seems like the misinformation one. I don't think he would be, dude. If this guy's dumb enough to hinge his career on that type of candidate, you should fire him right now, anyways. Right? We, yeah. Even, that... Like, shouldn't even have input. Just fire him. And you know, another thing that's come out, and you know. Coaches are reluctant because they believe Chris Greer could be gone in a year and two. And the other thing is Ross. He's 81. All right, let, let's keep it real for here, okay? I, I said this on my channel yesterday. I'm going to keep it real here, okay? I'm going to have this conversation with you. Let's keep it real for a minute about Ross. He's 81. He's going through a divorce. Right. What's the average life expectancy for the American male? 82? We, we, think, we think too much alike because I'm literally on – I was literally Googling that when you said it. Um, and let me see here. I'm just checking. Um, the average life expectancy is like what, like 82 or something? It Might was even 80, be it was 80, in 2020, it was 82.1. Okay, so we're like a year away from him matching the life expectancy. And I'm just keeping it a buck here because I'm going somewhere with this, Neil. And I want to hear your opinion on this. So this guy, let's let's call a spade a spade, Neil. He can kick the bucket any day. I mean, you see him when he goes in his suite, when he slouches down in his seat. It looks like he's putting one foot in the grave anyways, okay? Like the guy, let's, let's just call a spade a spade, all right? And let's say if you're going to be a Harbaugh, for example. Let's say you want a Gruden type of deal for 10 years, okay? The issue now becomes Ross ain't going to be here for 10 years. We're, we're all really going to hinge on him. We're, we're really going to bet on him being the owner still at 91. And now we run into the succession plan. And where I'm going with this, Neil, is – if this Bruce Beal Jr., the CEO of uh, Realty or whatever, what are they called? Realty. The guy who's in Enterprises. Yeah, yeah. He's CEO of Realty Enterprises or whatever it's called or whatever. Um, their New York business. The succession plan that's been approved for years. Neil, what if he doesn't like Harbaugh? And where I'm going with this is, am I crazy to think that at 81, if this guy is really going to be the successor, Maybe even if he doesn't have input, he should be sitting in on the coaching search. Yeah, you know, because I... he could be here in three or four years. And what if he walks in, Neil, and it's a matter of Harbaugh's building a winner, but he, him, and Harbaugh just rub each other the wrong way, and now conflict starts, and Harbaugh or whoever it is that's built a winner is out the door because the own, the new owner don't like him. You see where I'm going with this? Like, 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 like great organizations, Neil, get ahead of the curve by, you know, not getting the approval, but getting the nod from the guy in the succession plan that, yes, if I take over, you know, and, and everything's going successful, I am a hundred percent on board with him to keep it like, you know what, like, you know, with the Steelers, you know, you look at these great organizations, I feel like they would do that. You well, whether he, you know, like whether he's, you know, healthy or not at 81 years old, you got to think that he's probably got three to four years max as the owner of the Dolphins yeah. left 
in whether you know he retires, whatever that is. Yeah. So you know, you like you know, he wants to see a winner so bad. So like that's when like you know, one thing I'll say is like when everyone's like, oh, I don't think the Dolphins are going to spend in free agency. Oh, I think they're going to spend. I think they're going to spend big. I think they're going oh, they to. Are. I think they're going to shake the foundation of their offense in free agency and then become dangerous in the draft. But like, so, but what I'm going with this is like, look at Green Bay. How many coaches have they had in the last 40 years? Okay. Go look at the Steelers. Steelers How many coaches yeah. have they had in the last 30 years? Like greater, like, okay, let's, let's even go, you know, I mean, I know he's one guy, but like the bills, uh, sorry, not the bills. Um, the, uh, the Patriots, Belichick, how yeah. many coaches have they had in the last 25 years? Right. Like even the coaches before Belichick got them to a super bowl. You know what I mean? Like where I'm going here is you don't see a lot of turnover. And when you do, the new guy who walks in is there for how long, you know, like look at Cincinnati. We can all rag on how bad of an organization they were because they look like a totally different monster right now, even though I think they might get blown out this weekend, but look at how long they stuck with Marvin Lewis because yeah, he was did. constantly getting them to like, cause they were trying to build the culture, build the team. Like, go, let's go look at the Ravens. How many coaches have the Ravens been all, through over the last, since they came back into the league as an expansion three. team? Three since 96, March of so, Billy and Harbaugh. See where we're going here a little bit, my friend. Well, like continuity, right? Like you, yeah. You, and you, what what we're what we're staring down the barrel of is even if we get the guy right, luck as a dolphin fan is in three or four years when Ross steps away, the new guy comes in and says, "Yeah, I want my own guy." Well, you're bringing up a good point because it, it's one of those things that how like how big of a hire this is, and and we've been here before and we failed time and time again. Shula, bro, we're not trying to worry about a head coach for 15 this, years. Bro. You're not hiring a coach for for Tua. You're not hiring it for. You're hiring it for the entire organization, right? Like future and the future. You're developing something. So like you know, like unfortunately, the way we work as fans, that like if Brian Dable gets the job and we don't make the playoffs next year, right? It's complete failure. And we all want results. But, like, it's when when you're changing the CEO, right? A good head coach is the CEO of a football team. Yep. Like, you got to understand what you're inheriting and stuff like that. Like, I think luckily for whatever – who the coach is, and, you know, I say Dable because if I'm a betting man right now – It's Dable, yeah, yeah. I, I think that we'll hear by the end of this – I week, think it's going to be Dable or McDaniel, if you want my honest opinion. Yeah, I, I think Dable gets done actually by the end of this weekend. I, I think that it's that close. Okay, can you agree with me, though, that if Dable doesn't get done by Friday, neither does Dan Quinn, and they're both sitting on the market – There's there's something happening they're, behind they're, they're, they're at least waiting on the outcome – of the Rams and Niners game, like that, you know that they're or they're going to try to coax Sean Payton back, or maybe they think Harbaugh is coming. There's something bigger happening if they don't make a move. Here. I just I just look at this and I'm like, you guys are you know these people that are these teams that have put their fuck you know they put their front office in place and they put their GM in place. They're expediting to the to the second stages of interview. We've had our GM in place, and we're sitting here playing, yeah, it'll be all right. We got this now. It better not be the arrogance of, say, how they handled J.K. Dobbins in the draft of, oh, let's just wait till 56. He'll fall to us. I'm not trying to see this arrogance again. But it seems like I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. It when seems they like they it. got something up their sleeve, bro. It I, seems I, I like agree. there's something going on. There's something, And, and it's so odd of how they're not letting stuff out. Like they are really making sure 
not it, they are controlling what they are i have never seen them since i've been locked into this organization and known people who are locked in i have never seen them this controlling of information right no I, i'm with you. i think there's something bigger and, and i think it's probably one of the reasons that chris greer retained his job maybe they have something lined up with somebody and chris like and i thought that from the moment what if you know harbaugh knows ross directly you would say to him hey you know because harbaugh you know he walks in and with his nuts swinging like you again chris greer turned into the facilitator for this guy and right. you know chris ross could have said hey man you know, if you come here, Greer's going to give you whatever you want in terms of who you want to sign in free agency, who you want to draft. You know, he's basically just going to facilitate and execute your vision. Just get it right. And, right. and you know, if I was a head coach coming in, I would want that because I don't want a new guy coming in who wants to swing his nuts and have a dick measuring contest, right? Like, I don't want that. I want a guy who I know is going to fall in line and execute what I want. That's a coach. That's I keep telling people, as much as they might not like Greer and want him gone, what people don't realize is he is actually a head coach's dream. It's right. just all about the head coach and his vision. He's got to have the right vision in place that's got to be executed. And Flores, when you look at the running game and the offensive line and how he's building the offense, that's where his execution of the that's where his vision, no matter how you executed, wasn't good enough. Right. I mean, Chris Greer, if you're a new head coach, Chris Greer is exactly he won. He's not exactly a what you want, right? Exactly. He's, yeah. He's he's gonna kind of be even yeah. keel. He probably and he gets along with everyone. See, Omar made a really good point on X's and O. See, what happened with Flores was Chris Greer gets along with everyone in the league. Like he doesn't stir the pot, he's not standoffish, there's no ego. Okay, you didn't get along with him. Then you started not getting along with Ross. Then, I mean, hey, we can have our judgments of Tua the Tungvaloa, the football player, but we all know Tua Tungvaloa, the person, is top-notch, Neil. Oh, of course. And now you can't get along with Tua. You know, see, here's the thing. He started not getting along with people in the organization that people were like, they're good people. Whether you don't like their work or whatever, they're good people. And, you know, and then he started not talking to his coordinators. So... When you start icing people out, especially people who are renowned as being good people and they don't cause problems, that's when people start looking at you and saying, okay, what's at the root of all these issues? It's you. Yeah. That's the issue with Brian Flores. Like, you know, you can't walk in there with your head above the clouds thinking you're the alpha of all alphas and your shit doesn't stink. And you haven't won Jack Bo Diddley, bro. Because here's the thing. I'll tell everyone what it applies to Tua and it applies to Brian Flores. Guess what? Pardon my language. Neither one of them have done shit at this level yet. That's the fact of the matter. Go Miss me with your 10 wins. Did we get in the playoffs? No. So guess what? It was a failure. I don't care. However you slice it, with the draft capital we had, the financial money we had, it was a fail. We didn't get in the playoffs. And this year, failure. Didn't meet expectations. Sure, we all love the seven-game winning streak. We all love that they won eight out of the last nine. But guess what? Because of this man's hand-picked and hand-selected backup quarterback, Mr. Jabroni Brisket, 
And because of the final four minutes of him getting out coached by Urban Effin Meyer in Jacksonville, and when Tua left the, I don't care about the people want to go on about the two interceptions against Atlanta. But guess what? Last I checked, he threw for two hundred ninety-one yards and he threw four touchdowns. He doubled his interception total. He still had a two-to-one touchdown interception, and he had one of the best fourth quarters of his whole career. And he said, "Hey, Brian, you're the defensive genius." I know for a second week in a row you won't blow it and allow a winning field goal to a team that's inferior than us. And what happened? They go into zone and they just give Kyle Pitts the middle of the field. A team that's predominantly built for man coverage goes into zone when it matters and they get a field. So you could literally tie all of Jacoby Brissett's losses, the Jacksonville loss, and the Atlanta loss because, hey, Everyone told me we had an elite defense under Brian Flores. The last I checked, uh, against Jacksonville was one of the few games this year, if not the only game, where Trevor Lawrence looked like a legitimate number one overall pick on the football field, okay? And that happened against your elite defense because, again, you were in your little zone phase where you didn't want to go your predominantly man and show these exotic coverages in, in close games where you could have. And you could have shaken rookie quarterback like like that guy. He would have been shaking in his boots if you would have given him the looks you were giving Lamar Jackson and such after that. But, you know, you look at that, it's kind of crazy. If you look at the seven-game winning streak, bro, the Jacoby Brissett, Jabroni Brissett losses, and the Jacksonville and the Atlanta loss, you can hang them right on. Brian Flores. Well, we've been talking about it since it happened, man. We all like you and I on this pod have said numerous times, and we got our wish, Neil. When we were losing, we were calling for his head. We were calling for his head when we lost, Neil, and we got it right. No, no, and that we both said that Jacksonville loss is going to come back and haunt us because you just can't lose to those. Yeah, but look at what we just named, bro. All the Jacoby losses at Jacksonville. Atlanta. The thing is, dude, we can name like five, not just one, right? That's right. each. Literally, Neil, other than the Tampa Bay game, Tua would have won every other start uh, Jab- Jabroni Brissett had. Well, y- people will think I'm crazy when I say this, but the Dolphins are a lot closer than people think to being a formidable playoff yes. opponent. And that's why this offseason, this is not a rebuild. This is going to be a reset, and it's going to be a tooling. It's going to be a quick reset. You know, you don't even have to yeah. pull the cartridge out and blow like on it like the old Nintendo. Reset, like a soft reset, right? Yeah, it's not, it's not like when I played baseball stars for Nintendo and I had to pull that bad boy out and blow on it and hopefully it would yeah, work, yeah. right? <laughs> you know, this is – this is, and you know what, man? You have the ability to go buy the right ingredients. So what they should do – and I, I know we're in agreement here, right? Like, look, I, the Deshaun Watson thing to me is dead. I don't care what Danny Cannell said today. From everything that I've been told since Brian Flores is gone, two is going to be the starter. Two is going to be the starter. And, uh, like, that's going to happen. And he's going to have everything that we use as content or context or an excuse or whatever you want to label it. I think they're going to spend that offseason addressing it. And that's going to be the coach. Dayball, Ken Dorsey. That addresses the bad coaching that he had on the offensive side of the ball, right? They're yep. going to invest in free agency in that offensive line, and I can tell you, legit, the defense is basically already built. You don't need to spend anything, right? You're, the, I can tell you, 20, I can legitimately name twenty wide receivers that I want on this roster that are going to be available via free agency, trade, or the draft this year. So, and then we need a we need a bell cow running back. Uh, enough of these guys that can't make people, yeah, miss, yeah, can't yeah, create. Yeah. Uh, you and know, you know and what I think, and you know what I've been told, Neil, that they're not going to tie. 
to his success directly to the coach's hip in the sense of they're basically going to give him a year evaluation with spending all this draft capital draft wise and financially. And they're going to basically reevaluate it and say, do you want to move forward with this? Because we have two first round picks. Right, we right. can go get your guy. And the smart thing about that is that draft that quarterback draft class is way better than this one. Like, of course, you know, a guy I'm really high on coming out of that class. Uh, Will Levis out of Kentucky. I think yeah, people was, need to. He transferred with the Louisiana. Where'd he go? Louisiana Tech or. People need to watch this kid, man. Watch this kid. This is, you know, I was raving about him on my show yesterday. I had a couple of people DM me. That I guess they listened to me and they said, you know, you know, I heard you talking about him. I looked into him and they're like, holy crap, I'm sold. You know, 6'3", 230, really great arm, great touch. And he's mobile as hell, bro. Yeah, so, I mean, there's some good so, quarterbacks. There's some good yeah. quarterbacks. Bryce Young, you know, Spencer Rattler will be available that year. Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina. Yeah, yeah who could have came out this year, right? The Ohio and State guy. DJ Stroud is who you're DJ talking Stroud. about. Yeah, Tyler yeah. Van Dyke out of Miami will be available. There's going to be a bunch of guys coming out that year. It's a better class. You know what I mean? Like I oh. told you, the only guys I think worth investing in this class, if you're going to go that route, which I don't think they're going to, because you're going to take the guy who's been in the league for two years already and see if he's got, yeah, the I don't think a guy in this draft over to it. Not one. No. And the only guys that I think would make sense if you're drafting, first of all, you know, I'm a huge Sam Howell. He's my number one quarterback, but my number two quarterback, because I'm not letting the Herbert tool set bite me in the ass again, is Malik Willis. Yeah. And so I could understand that, but I, I think there's more polished guys coming out next year. And I think Dable specifically, like you said earlier, I've heard Tua is actually one of the, one of the, intriguing factors for him in this job. That's what's one of the factors that's actually drawing him. He loves to his family, right? It's it. Dable is like, he's see Dable, you know, I've heard he kind of has like an attitude. And he's kind of a hard ass, but like, he loves to his family. Like, here's the thing. Like he's a hard ass and, and he'll, but he's also a player's coach. Flores wasn't the player's coach. That's well, the difference in them. Well, you just outlined about how to approach Tua, right, and yeah. let him prove it this year. Like, look, that's what the Ravens are doing with Lamar Jackson, and that's what the Browns are doing with Baker Mayfield. Like, yeah, but he, yeah, but like, dude, you got to build. Like, people got to realize: a, you got to fix his mechanics, and b, you got to get him mechanically consistent. B, you got to help him consistently read at all three levels a little bit more, and c. You know, you got to help him determine. You got to help him. How I mean, this is going to sound funny, but you got to help him be bettering at determining when to predetermine a throw. Is what I meant by reading all three levels. And then see, yo, here's the biggest factor because people don't realize ninety percent of that position is what I'm about to say. You have to reinstill and build up this man's confidence. That position is all about confidence, especially for a player like that who's a rhythmic thrower who you got to get him going early on. And then when you see him, you get him going early on is when you'll start testing. That's when you'll start testing the corner routes and he'll start testing over the field and he'll start testing tight windows and start making them is you got to get him going because he's he is the definition of a rhythmic passer. And so, you know, in game, if you look at his style by a rhythmic passer, you know, you get a couple completions early on because what are you doing in game? You're building the confidence. So then they got the confidence in the game to start making the throws. But you got to also build his confidence off the field that, because think about it, there's sour grapes, bro. You got to build the confidence in the player, 
but you also got to build the confidence in the player with the organization. Like he's got to believe they're behind them again. You know what I mean? So you got to get him at his peak confidence as a player, but you also got to get him in his peak confidence as a player trusting this organization. And I told you the biggest difference between before we went, before we jumped in here, the biggest difference between him and Joe Burrow right now, and the biggest difference between Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert well, because Herbert was never at the confidence level Tua was at at Alabama or, you know, Burrow was at at LSU. But right now, Burrow was playing. He's Big Dick Joe. He's the he's playing like the confident guy he was at LSU. That's why it's translating so well because here's the thing. When he was coming out, dude, they had a lot of similar traits. It's just Tua was stronger. I mean, before the hip injury, when he had more torque in his hip, he was stronger throwing outside the numbers than Burrow was. But Burrow, when you get that confidence, man, it, you could that's how these that's how these goats, right? You ride that level of, you know, being arrogant and sorry, being confident and cocky. You know what I mean? And Joe is there right now, and he's just trusting and he's confident in his body, which is I'm so amazed. No one, not enough people are talking about the turnaround after that ACL injury. I did not think he'd be the same guy this year. And the turnaround, like, he's confident in his body, he's confident in his arm, he's confident in his game, but he's also confident in his supporting cast in terms of Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, C.J. Uzma, and he's confident in the coaching staff. He's he's just beaming well, and oozing with confidence right now, and Tua don't have that right now. And, you know, I think, you know, we saw a glimmer of what a confident – because remember, what did Nick Hicks say? Confident Tua is a Super Bowl Tua, right? And you saw remnants of a confident Tua in November when he just said, screw these guys. They didn't trade for Watson. I'm balling out. And then the thing is, by December, he realized my coach still don't like me. It don't matter what I do. I just had a month where everyone was talking about me, right? Like, you know, you know, and like I told you, I truly believe the reason why we're moving forward into year three with Tua is because of you know, I was told privately at the end of October that the cachet for Tua to win was five games. And you look at the month of November, that was the first time in Stephen Ross's era and the first time, because I don't even think they talked about Pennington like this, the first time since Marino on a national media scale, they were talking and glowing positively about a Miami Dolphins quarterback. And I think that's when it really shifted to oh my God, what can this kid do with a staff that believes in him and a good supporting cast around him offensively? And I think on top of that with how Flores was treating people, that's when they they chose Tua over Flores in a sense. I don't think they, now I don't think they 100%, but I think Tua was a factor. I don't think he was 100%, but I do think he was a factor in the Flores thing. But I think how Flores was treating people was a larger factor than Tua, you know? Dude, I I think you just hit the whole key of this offseason. It's about Tua's confidence, right? And, yeah. you know, on the defense, look, look, all we have to really do What's is that, baby. You bring in Wink, and they're, those guys are going to be like, let's get to work. Let's go. You know, go resign Emmanuel Agba for about, you know, three pay years. Pay X because you're going to have to pay X again. Three years, $30 million for Agba. You're probably going to add three to $5 million per that, year. Yo, that, 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 that spot track, bro, that's way off, bro. This guy, I'm telling you right now. He's going to be about three years, 39, 42 million, and it's going to be 30 to 33 is going to need to be guaranteed. On Agba? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, he's going to be thirteen to fourteen million a year, and you're probably going to have to guarantee about ten million of that a year on average. So that's where I'm getting my number. If he's fourteen, I could see you guaranteeing about you know thirty two, thirty three. If he's thirteen and it's thirty nine, I could see you guaranteeing like thirty. Yeah, so you keep him. You got to find out what who's going to be your long term starting middle linebacker. There's going to be a lot of good options in round three, so I think you can find a guy in the draft that you could probably find. You a want certain... a receiver in the first round, don't you? Right. Well, so I was going to say here. Here's the you just nailed it. Bill to his comments. What did you do first? You, re- you removed his biggest obstacle. You fired the head coach that didn't believe in him, that opposed yeah. him, that made his learning experience awful. Yeah. You hire a guy like Brian Dable. That builds his confidence, familiarity, somebody who's going to help him improve his mechanics. Yep. That guy brings in Ken Dorsey as an offensive coordinator. Love it. You're double The man who made Newton an MVP, Neil. Well, then you go in free agents, and you know what? You say, you know, like, this isn't traditionally what you're supposed to do, but I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to bring in Taron Armstead and Ryan Jensen. I'm going to oh, get love two it. Pro Bowl caliber guys. Robert Hunt, Ryan Jensen. Did you go after Trent Brown if he's, if he's available leaving New nope. England? Nope, because in the draft, you know what I'm doing? I want a receiver in the first round. So give me – if Traylon Burks is there, which I don't know if he will be. The Debo clone. Chris Olave. Give me give me Jahan Dotson. Give you me better your, name my boy because we don't need – no, we don't need Jahan Dotson. I don't Drake need London. five no, – Drake yes. London. I don't need 5'10", 5'11", 180-pound Jahan Dotson. I got Waddle. I need – what I need right now – is the Drake London? He's got to be there, though. I I know, but I right now I need to get into the six one to six three frames and guys who are over like two ten. Well, here's another guy, George Pickens. If he's there, is a great player. From Georgia, Love yeah, him. he's a great player. He's got a ton of upside. He could yeah. be one of those next AJ Brown type players, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then in round two, double down on the tackle position. Get me Daniel Filet from Minnesota. Yeah, your offensive line would look Taron Armstead. I don't care if it's let Austin Jackson, Michael Dieter, and him Sal- and Abraham Lucas are my favorite right tackle. Options. And then at center you have Jensen, right guard you have Robert Hunt, and then you have Daniel Falele at right tackle. You've reshaped the offensive line. You've given to another weapon in round one. Go bring his buddy uh, Mike Gusecki back on a one-year franchise tag. Make him prove it. And then you go out there and you find a bell cow running back for him. And honestly, like I don't even care if you have to trade a draft pick for next year, a second or something to get a starting quality. Maybe Alexander Madison, who's out there from Minnesota, is a guy that I like. But like, you go do those things, and you're building to his confidence before he even takes a snap in the preseason, right? You're removing his obstacles. You're giving people that believe in him, and you're adding talent around him. Those are the things that's going to build to to his confidence. Like to a new for most of this season, that the head coach, who he probably thought at that time was going to be around for a while because, you know, for whatever reason, you know, Flores did win in Miami. Um, So Tua probably thought that that wasn't going to go away. Now, it went away. Like, that is a huge statement from Stephen Ross and Chris Greer in support of Tua. Like, that is the story of the offseason for the Miami Dolphins. They chose Tua Tungavaloa over Brian Flores. Now, Flores treated a lot of people like crap and all that stuff, but that 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 happened for a long time, man. Like, I think the the, the way he treated Tua was actually something that stood out versus the normal a-hole he was to other people. And, uh, you know, I, I think that what you said is the key to this offseason. If we get out there and we get Tua, I, I, I don't know if we'll ever get the level of play that we saw at Alabama because that was it, Tua – performing like we've never seen a player perform in the perfect situation in the nfl it gets messy but Tua still could be an upper echelon <clears throat> top dozen starter quarterback in this league 
I'm telling you right now, the in problem is his hip. The problem is his hip right yeah. now. He's not. He's not. He's not getting the same. Like if you go look at some of the throws he used to make, he's not getting the same torque and velocity from I that hip because people think it's just the upper body. It's just the arm. No, it comes from that. It's a kinetic chain. It comes from that hip. And the thing is, this is where I'm at in year three. I truly think we're going to get a grasp of whether he's got serious durability issues. And I think we're going to get a real grasp. I think, you know, talking with Nick Hicks and everything like that, you know, and the training regiment they're looking at this off season, I think you're going to find out if he's ever going to be, because let's be honest, he's not the same athlete he was. And I think you're going to find out if he's ever going to get back to that Tuscaloosa body and he's going to get that same torque on the football and he's going to get that. He's going to have that same athletic ability. I think we'll have a really good sense of it. Like if we see, you know, you know, if we see a leap in terms of his physical stuff, his physical traits this year, then I think he's going to get back there. If we see like a small smidget incremental increase in his physical limitations, then I, I really worry is, you know, is this going to be a thing where it's not till five, year five or year six or or we never see it again because arthritis starts to kick in. You know what I mean? Well, I so think, I think the injury is one of the concerns I have, but I, I think that one of the things that really hampered to it last year really was that Brian Flores had the training wheels on him and it directed his staff to keep a game plan that was very protective um, and, and made to a, a game manager. Like we need to open this up and let the kid take shots. We need to let him fail. If that's, what's going to happen. We, he didn't get to do that. I really don't believe we let him be a quarterback that he wanted to be. You know, I, like obviously he doesn't have a Justin Herbert arm. Yeah. But we still saw him make throws to Jalen Waddle that very few quarterbacks can make in this league. But he, you know, either does Burrow, right? So. Well, yeah. So, I, like, honestly, look, I, I I do think there's something about the big arm quarterbacks. After watching Josh oh, Allen, sure. Matt Mahomes this weekend, yeah, for sure. Like, I, like I don't even smoke it. I needed a cigarette after that. I, and I do want to touch back on that draft thing because I actually have a totally different outlook. Like, you know, I love Trey Traylon Burks, six three, two twenty five. You know, I love me my. I'm a huge Drake London guy. You know, um, and you know, six three again, like what two fifteen, I believe. And then, you know, a guy who I like, who I think might be there in the second two, I'm going to talk about because for me, here's where I'm at. I think you could get Allen Robinson on the open market for a complete steal because of how underutilized he was this year. I think Devontae Adams is going to go wherever Aaron Rodgers is. I would have liked Michael Gallup as a sneaky signing, but with the torn ACL, don't invest the money. Same thing goes with obviously Chris Godwin. So I would try to go sneak and sneak in Allen Robinson for a great price. I think that'd be the perfect opposite guy to Jalen Waddle. And then, you know, here's my thing. And then I agree. Uh, Jensen all day. I would actually try and sign a left tackle and a right tackle. I think we need to get the veteran blend and, and just throw it in there. Who you like? Um, Morgan Moses at right tackle. Yeah, I, I I think Morgan Moses would have given us a, would have been such an upgrade this year. But awesome. I love Daniel Falal and I love Abraham Lucas. I've loved Abraham Lucas for like two years now. So I love the right tackle options and I've loved Daniel Falal because you know everyone who knows me and you know you'll start putting it together. For some reason, I love Minnesota guys. Like I love Rashad Bateman. I love Tyler Johnson the year before. You know what I mean? I just love Minnesota. So I've been watching Daniel Falal for, you know, since Tyler Johnson, really, right? So, you know, Orlando so I'm Brown Jr. clone. Is yeah, that's, that's, yeah, yeah. So, 
so you know, I wouldn't mind those guys, but I'd rather go three veterans and then stick in Hunt at right guard, Dieter at left guard, and let it roll, and then add Allen Robinson. And then here's where I'm at in the first three rounds, guys. Hate me all you want, and I'm gonna explain why. I'm taking the running back with a first round pick, and this is why. Don't give me the third or fourth receiver on the board. I don't want the third or fourth linebacker now because we're at 28 and two have already gone off the board. Don't give me the, you know, fourth corner. You know, I don't want, you know, all, you know, third and fourth player at all these positions when we are at a prime spot to have our whoever you want at that position, whoever the top guy is is on your board. If you're sitting there at 28, you are in a prime position where you will have your whole you will have the selection of the whole field. So go get that guy because it's let's be honest, 28 is a glorified second round draft pick, but the great thing is you get the 50 year option. So unless this guy's Barry Sanders, 4 years 50 year option and in the 4th year, after the 4th year, right? As we kick in that 50 year option, we draft a guy and we rinse and repeat when he's about to hit 30. And that should be your your philosophy at that position because just get it on the cheap for five years over and over again. Just hit on it. If we're at 28, I think you can have – that's the one position that will be on the board that I can safely say we'll have our our selection of probably the whole field at that point. And, hey, you know the Kansas City Chiefs screwed it up. If they would have taken my guy who I was banging the table for all year, Jonathan Taylor, imagine him in that offense instead of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but I digress. And then in the second round is when I'd come and I'd get a guy I'd get, you know, if we don't have that tackle, go get that tackle. Or if we do have the tackle, like I said, I'd go get a guy like David Bell out of Purdue. If he's still there, you know what I mean? That's another, you know, nice body, big receiver. Or if I want to go a little guy and Dotson's off the board, I'm a, I I have him actually ranked higher than Dotson. Um, Wondell Robinson. Oh, Wondell Robinson's all Kentucky. Kentucky. Awesome. So, so if you want to get another quick guy, you know, and you want to have that's your slot guy with Bowden and then Boat and then Waddle and, and Allen Robinson, whoever you signed, are your there you go. Now our receiver room is deadly, bro. And you bring back Matt Collins on a cheap contract because he's one of the best gunners in the NFL and he can do stuff for you. And and you know, I like our receiver room. And you, you could bring your Gasecki on your little on your little franchise tag and throw him in the mix. Then I'm I'm really happy with our receiver room. And if we have a you know a Brees Hall at running back or you know, if they like Kenneth, you know, I feel like Mike McDaniel would love Kenneth Walker. You know, I, I personally, my number two guy is Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame. Yep, love him. Um, you know, you, you know, or if they draft an Isaiah Spiller, you add that guy to the backfield now, and you got Allen Robinson, you got Jalen Waddle, you got you know David Bell or Wandell Robinson or Dotson in the second, and then because I think Dotson's size is going to knock him down to the second, and then you know, and then you got Jensen. You know, and um, and Dieter and Hunt is your interior with Armstead and let's say Trent Brown at right tackle. You know, all of a sudden, look at that offense, bro. All of a sudden, that offense we are, we've got a nice blend of youth and experience at the receiver position. We've got a nice blend of youth and experience at the offensive line, and we are allowing a you know, especially if it's like a Brees Hall, you know, or a Kyron Williams a legitimate bell cow young guy who roll with it, you know, on a cheap contract that can 
rush for 900 to, you know, 1300 yards per year. And two is right. right. And, and, and now, and here's the thing. If two, doesn't work out, my friend in 2023, go get me your new guy and plop him in that offense. And he's set, you know, so it's not, it's deeper than Tua. by doing all that stuff. You're setting up. If Tua doesn't work out, you're the setting up the next for long-term guy. success. Yes. Yeah. And you're what? setting up the next guy for success, whether you sign him or draft him, who steps in there. Do we have any breaking news new news uh, music? Because I, I want to say something that just came across while we're on the show. One of the beauties of doing this live. But Pat Leonard from the uh, New York Daily News um, has sent out something an hour ago that says, it's believed Dayball would inherit Dolphins defensive staff in Miami. Mention that here. So I know one guy in New York was the one that kind of po- posted something about Wink Martindale. Uh, I actually have heard that locally too, connected to Brian Dable. But now we are seeing one reporter here for the New York Daily News saying that it's believed that Brian Dable would inherit the Dolphins coaching staff in Miami, which I don't hate, but I definitely lose some of the luster of the hiring because I liked Wink Martindale so much. Hmm. So that takes uh, that takes Wink off, eh? Yeah, well, you know, let's see what happens. There's two different guys from New York, both blue check guys, writing for big publications, saying kind of opposite things. Um, don't know. I, I actually saw somebody else today that wasn't in the market actually talk about um, Dayball bringing Wink Martindale as well. Heard it here on the radio in Baltimore as well. So I, I don't know. I um. I think that's just interesting. That popped out about an hour ago, so right before we hopped on here. Mm. Yeah, I just saw it. Yeah, interesting. I mean, look, Jared Ale- Gerald Alexander is a guy that I want here. Um, so, you know, I try to find the silver lining in it. Um, and, and, look, everything until it happens is very speculatory, right? We all know that. But it's just I, I just wanted to get that out there while we saw it because – you know, we just spent a good portion of, of this pod talking about how much we love Wink Martindale. Uh, you know, who knows? But, you know, like that doesn't take away. Like, you know, Brian Dayball still brings that offensive mind. Hopefully he can still bring Ken Dorsey. Um, they, look, they, we know this. They want an offensive coach, right? Like, we know that. Um, and they, the guy that it would be if it's not an offensive coach, I really think would be Dan Quinn. Um yeah, but interesting development that just popped up while we were here. Yeah, for sure. Um, very interesting, man. Um, so, <clears throat> all right, let's talk about. Um, you know, we've 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 handled the draft, we've handled free agency. Um, you know, so your gut is—I know this is not a source, but your gut's to saying you think if it's Dayball, it's going to be wrapped up by the end of the week. And yeah. then I think we can both agree if Dayball's still out there and it's not wrapped up they're at least waiting for mike mcdaniel and they could have something bigger you know in the works you know beyond well, mike mcdaniel the if they don't this plays out the more unlikely the more it raises eyebrows yeah, yeah, yeah because, exactly because like look it's a competitive situation like you know i'm under the impression that brian flores is going to get the giants job he's interviewing for it tomorrow I, I think they fired joe judge from him and i think that's yeah. going to happen before the weekend. I think yeah. the first domino that's going to fall officially is going to be left, which the Jacksonville. There's I no way. There's no way Flores is going to build around Daniel Jones. No, no, it's good. That's going to be another awful situation. I think Nathaniel Hackett's going to lock up that Denver job. Cause I really truly believe 
they think, and they might have a good shot at Aaron Rodgers um, there. So I, I think that you're going to see Nathaniel Hackett get that job. The Raiders is hard to figure out, you know. Now, is that the one franchise where if he went, you'd be wondering if they're going to bring in Devontae Adams because they have Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, who they paid. They have Jerry Judy and such. Hey, maybe Jerry Judy. Because he says he wants Marquez Valdez-Scanting to come with him as as well as Devontae Adams, apparently. Man, dude, I'll tell you this right now. Give me give me that trio in Miami tomorrow. <laughs> but, no, I, I think that they – you know, I. To get Aaron Rodgers, I think any franchise would do pretty desperate things, right? Like we saw the Broncos, you know, bringing Wes Welker kind of on the last leg to Peyton Manning when he was there. So, you know, you never know. But, I, like, I, I think these coaches hiring is going to start falling pretty quick. Uh, the Texans are interviewing some names that, you know, I, I think are pretty bad candidates there. Uh, now I heard Josh McCown's been interviewed. Yeah. Like, oh, like, just keep me away. I heard they wanted him last year, too. Yeah, I mean, I like Josh McCown and all, but thank God he was never a quarterback and Chad Pennington came, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I think that if they don't hire Dable, that's because they have leverage probably. And then then I think we could find into ourselves at the situation where Dayball becomes the backup plan potentially if the Bears make Jim Caldwell their coach um, and, and he's still out there. Like, I don't know how long he would wait, but like I, something tells me that when we connect here, you know, next Wednesday night we're talking – there's going to be some big development if it's not that Dayball's hired. And that development that I think that I can pinpoint is that for somehow Michigan and, and Harbaugh are officially parting ways and Stephen Ross just played poker with everyone here. And, I mean, look, man, for you, between you and I, that's the reason I'm saying this is because I kind of wanted to talk it into life. I mean – no disrespect to Brian Dayball, Dan Quinn, or anyone. Mm-hmm. I, I think Harbaugh is a franchise-changing hire. Um, I think he's an elite of the elite hire. I think he's a clear upgrade over Brian Flores. Um, you know, the question I ask myself, right, and, and th- is can this guy get me to a Super Bowl? And there's three coaches this offseason that I could say yes to, and that's Jim Harbaugh, it's Dan Quinn, and it's Doug Peterson. I don't know what's going on Doug Peterson, but he ain't getting a lot of love. Um, I, I don't, you know, maybe some of those things that we've heard about him and the Eagles, you know, I don't, I still think he's a pretty good head candidate with nine openings. I would probably take him over half the field that I've heard that people are going to get jobs. Like, look, if I'm Jacksonville, I'd rather have Doug Peterson than Byron Leftwich. I'm just being honest, but um, yeah. So I think that that's the interesting question I asked myself and, you know, why that's important to me is that the co- coaches that have been there before, you know, they've had a level of experience. They can develop a staff. They know how to handle the personalities. They're used to this, right? When you're a first-time coach, it's a lot different. Like, usually you're buddy-buddies with the position that you're coaching. And, like, then you become the CEO of the team, and everything is so much different, right? Like, you're in charge of everything. And some people can't handle it. Brian Flores couldn't handle it here in Miami, right? Like, I just think that that is a gift people have to learn. And when you have a first time coach, there's going to take some time for that to happen. Now I I do think the one kind of devil's advocate to what I just said is a guy like Mike McDaniel. You know, I know there's a lot of people laugh about like whether he's a stoner and shit like that. He's just got a pretty damn cool, even keel personality. Right. And people probably gravitate to that. You like, and that doesn't make him not a leader of men. Like we always hear that thing. And I put that in air quotes, but like, 
I listened to some of the interviews of him talking about football. I don't care when he's saying who Mike Jones. Like, that's funny. Good. When he's breaking down the running concepts, like what we saw with the clip that kind of went viral with Trent Williams moving in motion. Like, mm-hmm. this guy is a football mastermind, right? Like, I, I'll, I'll say this, right? Like, I still – like, so we've talked about who we think is going to happen. My big board of my top three coaches is number one that I would want is Harbaugh. Number two is Dan Quinn. And number three for me is Mike McDaniel. Um, after that, I'd probably go Dayball, Doug Peterson kind of guys is four and five. Um, we'll you know kind of seeing what staffs they could bring. But, like, yeah, I, I think Mike McDaniel is still this intriguing enigma out there that, like, the longer this goes on as well, like he, if the 49ers lose this weekend, I think if they don't lock up Dayball, then McDaniel is going to get another interview, and this time in person. Mm-hmm. If they didn't already meet with him in person, if you track flights and stuff like that, mm. yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm big on the McDaniel. Like, <clears throat> I actually prefer him for going first time higher. I, I feel like that's a swing for the fences. Especially now that we're hearing Wink's not going to come. What if we hear Ken Dorsey's going to stay as the OC? And well, that, and that like that's the thing, man. Like until you have all the information, you know, I'll get called a flip flopper, and people will want to attack me. Um, and the truth is, I kind of change when information changes. Mm-hmm. So like I've been very clear that like Brian Dable to me is like a C plus higher. Now if he's bringing Wake Martindale and Ken Dorsey, that's a whole different grade. But if he's yeah. not. You know, like, I, I just, I don't know. But, yeah. you know, one, one more thing to kind of cover, you know, while before we wrap up here, right? Like, we're talking about this need for a running back. So I, I'm going to talk about a hypothetical situation here. We know there's a team who just lost their coach to retirement. We know that they're $77 million over the cap. Alvin? Yep. Yeah, that's where I'm going. Their franchise quarterback, they don't have. And their starter, Jameis Winston, is an unrestricted free agent. So to keep to get him to play is going to cost you what 15, 20 million dollars at least. Mm-hmm. Um what would you what like what would you give up for a guy like Alvin Kamara? Because in talking about needing a true Bell Cow running back, for me, Alvin Kamara is in my top five list, no matter how I slice it. Um I don't know what the cost for him would be. Like, well, the first guy I'd be going for on that team is Ryan Ramchuk. Oh, uh, yeah. I was going to say, like, here, like, think about this as a hypothetical. Your first and second round picks this year and a second round pick next year for Kamara and Ramchuk. Do you do that? 110%. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's, that's what I'm starting to think with this draft pick being where it is. Like, maybe the move is to move it. And I don't want to trade for picks for next year because I want to help the roster for this year, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to keep building draft picks for future drafts because, like, that might mean that we're not giving the appropriate resources that we just outlined to Tua to be successful. Like, maybe it's trading. Like, like looking at the Packers and the Saints rosters right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that to me is a huge opportunity to carve out $77 million in cap space means they're going to have to do something extremely drastic. I mean, drastic here. And I honestly, I've never seen 
a thing. I'm reading this article that's USA Today or, or around the NFL put out there, and every person in the damn <laughs> in the replies is like, I wish the Dolphins could get Ramchak and Kamara. Like I and I didn't even see this before I said what I just said, but like like could you imagine like that might be the best way to build this team? Mm-hmm. I, so like I, I just think you got to be open to a little bit of everything. If Alvin Kamara is out there, like I mean, have we had a running back in his caliber since Ricky Williams or even close? Like uh, you know, Ronnie Brown wasn't right. Like no, I not allow Ronnie Brown slander on my watch. I like Ronnie. I like him, but he won Alvin Kamara. No, but he was that man is what made the the Wildcat tick. Oh yeah, no, he was good. Um. No, but you gotta also think number two overall pick in the draft, right? Like, I like Ronnie Brown. Well, he's better than Cadillac. Yeah, yeah, he was, and Cedric Benson probably. But and God, God rest, you know, that's a name that you don't remember uh, passed away. But God rest his soul, I, Cedric Benson. Like, I loved him. At that. Remember when the Bears drafted him, right? Yeah, good player. But now, like, I just think that's interesting because, like, yeah, Ryan Ramchek is probably one of the top ten players in this NFL. You could literally I, trade for Ryan Ramchuk and then go sign. Taron Armstead. Yep. Yeah. And, and then honestly, like your offensive line, like you get an interior dude somewhere and you're fine. You're signing, like, yeah. yeah. Like so. But hey, man, it's going to be a very, very interesting remainder of the week into the weekend. A lot of stuff's going to get out there. But we all know this, right? When Once the first domino falls, the rest will come tumbling pretty quickly. Um, I think that the first hire is going to be left, which. But I do think that this Dayball situation is going to get wrapped up pretty quickly, especially if Flores goes there tomorrow and the Giants lock him up. Yeah, like you can tell Dayball's not the first candidate because they let him leave. Right, yeah. Like, look, they they, they want – I'm telling you they want Brian Flores. Like, yeah, I, we, yeah, we we've known that for a couple this. weeks. I told you the day after he got fired. Like, yeah, and I heard that from somewhere else too. Coach. And that's and that's like that's exactly what we're seeing. So, what like, did you think about Mara coming out and just shooting down Watson? You know what, man? Honestly, I respected the shit of that, and I respected what he said about Daniel Jones. Like, I thought that was like transparency that we have. Take seen. notes, Ross. Yeah, Stephen Ross would never do that. Like, like, and, and and like people ask me, like, that's the question on Twitter that never dies. Neil, you said they were going to sign Sean Watson, right? Well, that, that was a lot of that was tied to Brian Flores, which we've all seen come out as true i i I don't think it's going to happen because i think they're really committing to tua i you know i don't know if there's information that's coming out like a lot of teams are starting to position themselves away from deshaun watson right so something tells me that that means that there must be some news that they're getting or like they just don't want to mess with it because of the noise we haven't even heard carolina rumblings right or yeah like nothing so the only team that i heard and it's really just because it kind of makes sense when you look at it on the football field is the Steelers. But like, I just don't see their organization taking that stuff on. Now, like they, they, they had to go through, you know, some of that stuff with big Ben and it got turbulent there for a while. You know, I saw a report today that they almost traded the 49ers and Singletary vetoed it. So it didn't happen. But like, I, I don't know. Like, I think that if Deshaun Watson went to the Steelers, they'd be a hell of a team, but I, I, I think a lot of organizations just don't want that black eye, man. In today's world, you know, we, you know, we're all about equality and, and diversity. And, like, I think that like, some of these owners are just saying, like, I don't care how good the football player is. Like, like if these situations aren't getting cleared up or they are, they are going to go to criminal, like, I just don't want my organization to be associated with that. So 
I, I think that that's the indictment that we're seeing here is that like maybe these cases aren't going away because um, I, I would say like we're lying to ourselves if we don't think Stephen Ross wanted Deshaun Watson too. like we could throw Flores under the bus all we want. But like Stephen Ross was in and on it, too. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, like there's I, I think the only guy who's got his hands clean to an extent is actually Chris Greer. And that's like, because I, he just went with the flow of the wind. Right, exactly. I, I, I think I, I think I don't know if he was as hell bent as Brian Flores was, but I think Stephen Ross was into it. And like, who knows, man? Like, there's so many dominoes that got to fall. I, I tell you, you know, we're coming up on February, right? Like, it's February next week. Um, you know, we're about a month and a half out from free agency. We're a week away from the Senior Bowl, so there's these milestones that are out there, and you'd like to have a coach. Like you'd want to have a coach that's down in uh, Mobile, Alabama, for the Senior Bowl, right? You'd like to have someone down there scouting because, like, if that's taught us anything in the last few years, like, that's a really good opportunity, right? Like that—that's where we saw Herbert, you know, just like take over that game and the practices. You can really determine, like, guys like that people aren't talking about in first rounds now, like a guy like Logan Hall from Houston. I don't know if you paid attention to him a lot. He's like an edge. Defensive line hybrid, heavy hands, good player. You know, he's a guy that's going to stand out there next week. He's probably a person that a lot of people haven't heard of, and he's going to be a top 50 pick when all said and done because he'll go down there and play well. A guy like Daniel Falela, who we talked about earlier, right? A yeah. mountain of a man, plays with amazing strength. I mean, he's yeah. just immense, man. Going around him, is, you got to go around him because you can't go through him, and going around him is hard because he's so damn big, right? So, like, you're going to see these type of players just stand out um, and like, I love the senior bowl and I hope we have a coach. Like, I still think we'll have our staff down there, but like, you know, you want, when you make a draft pick, right? Like you want your coach, your GM, and I guess in a sense, your owner to have like harmony between like, you know, this is the guy, like, this is a guy we all like, you know, yeah. like, when you, the more you check all those boxes, it's good. So like, this is the time of year, man. Like, I don't know about you, but like, as a fan, I've grown to love it because, you know, the Dolphins haven't played a lot of postseason football in the last 20 years, right? So I, I, it's I'll, a season I'll, of hope. We've entered the season of well, hope. Yeah, well, look, dude, I, I would say this. Like, here's what's exciting, right? Would you agree with me that they have an opportunity to add five high-level starters between free agency and the draft? Yes. So, like, when you add five high-level starters to the roster that we had last year, I mean, like, I mean, we – like we are on the verge like of like being what we're seeing with the Cincinnati Bengals. I truly think that we have that in us. So like you add five quality players, upper echelon starters. So like when I'm like, I'm trying to talk about like what we saw out of Jalen Phillips, Javon Holland and Jalen Waddle, like that's our rookie draft class. If we can add five players, the caliber of them this off season with like, you know, I'm just naming. We've named a lot of yeah. names on the line and stuff, but like, God, man, like that's what's hard not to get excited about. And people are always like, you know, the old, oh, well, you play too much Madden. Well, look, man, I'm not making up that the Dolphins have 75 million dollars can cut six people that don't matter and get to 100 million. I'm not making up that they have a first, a second, a third, two fourths, whatever, two six, seventh draft picks. Right? We're not making that kind of stuff up. Like that's the reality of the ammo they have. So, like. They got to spend it or they don't use it or, or you lose it, right? Like, or you go, it goes the next year, like keeping it in the bank. Chris Greer's a, a, in a lame duck position. He's going to spend every damn penny he can to make this team better. Yeah. Because it's, 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 it's the bar next year is playoffs. And that, yeah. and like, I don't care if you're a first time coach or not. 
that's the bar, right? Like you yep. agree with me, right, man? Like yep. that's the bar we're setting here. Yeah, agreed, man. So all right, <laughs> yeah, we're about to enter it, and you know, we're about to enter the. Uh, it seems like we're getting to the final countdown here. I really think we're getting into a stretch where we're gonna. I do agree with you when we when we come back, circle back next week and do this again. I think we're gonna, you know, we're gonna have some. May not have all the answers, but we'll have more answers than we we have. This puzzle's week, gonna so. come together all week until next week and i think we'll be able to get a good glimpse of where that puzzle is um by next wednesday for sure yeah so guys until then man i hope everyone stays happy healthy safe and blessed keep your eyes on all the social media outlets because i mean it could happen at any moment so um until next week guys we'll see you right back here when we dive back in fin too deep until then fins up all day every day